What is happening? That's just how usually it is on set. Like, sound guys always get thrown under the, under the bus. And no, it's not that they get thrown under the bus. They just get made fun of. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Anything happens. Well, let's blame it on the sound. This sounds a great tone for the podcast. Yeah. yeah. This is sound. It's appropriate, though. Like, I remember Latif ripped on Derek pretty hard the entire shoot. It built my character, though. Oh, we yeah. yeah. Did you yeah. secretly enjoy that? Like, I, masochistically? Well, yes. I went home crying a couple times, but yeah. it built my character. I think yeah. I think he knew what I could become. On set, I would always just kind of like throw jabs at Derek. Not in a mean way, more in like a I hate you way. That's not mean. That's just the you know. There's a big difference between I hate you and me. But over time, it toughened his skin, and now he's uh, half a man. I'm yeah. I'm like a blooming butterfly. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah, I guess uh, we'll just start with tell the story of how you guys got onto Party Stories and how that went down. Uh, well, I actually saw this post on Craigslist, you know, where mm. you, you, I think you put a post there saying that you were making this movie. Yeah, yeah. It's way back in December. And I just graduated from school and I was looking for work too. Where'd you go to school? And I went to Vancouver Film School. And I graduated and, you know, as soon as I finished, I was actually, you know, messaging a couple of people, looking mm. online on Craigslist, a lot of groups and stuff. And I came across Matt and, you know, I messaged him and he said, okay, let's just meet up. And, uh... Let's just meet up and, uh, you know, we, that's how we met and we discussed the film and I thought the script was really cool, really interesting and, you know, one thing that I really thought would, you know, this would be fun was because it was a fairly short crew, there wasn't a lot of people and, you know, it was all in just one location so I thought this would be more like a family shoot rather than, you know, there's like individual departments where, you know, everyone just sticks to their own department, you don't just talk to anyone at all. Yeah. Like, on this big, big multi-million dollar budget shows. So I think that was one of the most fun part of it, which actually, you know, mainly got into the show, got me into the show. And then obviously Derek, you know, worked with them a lot of times and, you know, I asked him if he wanted to be part of it. And from there it was just, yeah, the wild ride of party stories just started. Yeah, so let's back up a quick second there. Yeah. On the note of film school, um, Derek, did you go too? I did, did, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sid and I were in the same class. So do you guys think film school was worth it or not worth it? What was your experience of film school like as, you know, some guys? Yeah, uh, well, for those of you who don't know, we're in Vancouver and Vancouver is like the LA of Canada. And so when I was looking into you know, studying sound for film, everything pointed towards VFS, Vancouver Film School, because a lot of the students that come out of there were able to get work pretty quickly. Yeah. And that's because they have great instructors and industry professionals that teach you like the ins and outs of doing what you do. Mm-hmm. It's not just, you know, here's a PowerPoint presentation on sound. It's like, no, let's get into the nitty grit. And coming out of that is you're ready to work. And that was what, that was what's really awesome about it is so many connections were made through school yeah. and after that so Definitely. totally worth it and you know you leave the doors of uh, your class and you're in you're like in the middle of a film set almost in Vancouver because there's like a film being shot like every All corner the time. Yeah. yeah so there's no shortage of work coming around here so yeah it's been it was definitely a, I'd say it's a really foundational experience for me and probably for Sid the one of the things of going to Vancouver Film School is that they literally put you just like how it is out in the real world it, you know, usually yeah. for some schools, it's just that, oh, here's a, here's a student, you know, case of the student scenario where you could work, but then you go outside and it's entirely different mm-hmm. and you're not challenged enough to face that. Yeah. But like, that was one good thing about going to Vancouver Film School because mm-hmm. they literally put us exactly how it is out there in the real world. And all of us could actually experience that right from the beginning right. till the end. So, yeah. And it was a super intensive year. So, so it's a one year program yeah. and they literally put you through like the toughest grinds. Right. From from like term one till term six. Yeah. So yeah, that was like, you know, coming out of VFS, we were really ready to actually get out there into the real world. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, do that. So you guys stuff. go through every part of production? Is it like on set, mixing, like post sound? Like what's the... Totally. Yeah. So like yeah. usually the way the curriculum is, you know, it's actually organized is you start with, you know, term one is... It's, there are six terms, each right. with two months each. That's how it becomes one year. And term one is you, you just start with the basics. And then from term two, you start collaborating with the film production department. Yeah. You know, they shoot episodics. So those are just mini two minute shoots. And then you know, to, just to get you into the sense of like how it is uh, on a film set. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those uh, two minute uh, episodes are usually shot in like studios, right. like shooting floors, not in like outdoor locations. 
and from then from term three you get into like the bigger productions of like they actually make like a 10 minute short films and In then on location yeah we're on location so we like the sound department we take care of all the location sound right. in term three and then term four we get to do post edits for those films that we shot in term three okay and then term five is when we actually mix those edits that we did right so it's actually like you know that process just yeah. evolves from term three onto term five okay, and so then term six we are just like working on our finals we don't collaborate with any of the departments it's just like your personal like yeah so project. we yeah each one of us are supposed to you know produce a personal short film i mean not a short film like a personal project which, which could sound, be anything with so sound focus so exactly so you have to recreate the entire soundtrack you okay. can use anything you can't source any of the original sounds you have to make everything everything from scratch and you have to do it like uh you know by your own it's an individual project you cannot team up with another person you can you know, ask help, but you know, at the end of the day, it's just you it's by yours. yourself. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, quick question on that note: um, You guys went to VFS. Neither of you are from Vancouver, so how did you choose VFS and why? That's actually pretty funny because when I cho- when I wanted to look into VFS, mm-hmm. I was in Newfoundland working a, a full time uh, job as an alarm security technician guy installing alarm systems <laughs> and I was actually s- and then robbing them <laughs> <laughs> and then absolutely robbing them yeah that's, that's how you that's another BSS. story yeah that's another story but no I just I grew up uh, from musical background myself mm-hmm. uh, playing piano oh, cool. always loved music just you know never thought there could be much of a career path for me in music like like going back to the alarm thing yeah okay so yeah basically what <laughs> no but look seriously you, okay you s- installed security alarms at like businesses no i worked for a company called vivid installing alarm systems it was like a door-to-door service so sales reps would go out and then oh, like people's homes keep people's homes jeez that's how you're welcome went from, you went from that to i'm gonna make sound for film yeah yeah Okay, it's, it's a huge jump. Well, because I was, at, and crazy enough, at the time, I was enrolled in Camosun College to start that summer. In Newfoundland? In, no, Camosun College in Victoria. Victoria, yeah. Mm. To, to start for uh, doing social work. I was going to go into, like, uh, that whole area. Whoa, so you were, like, super not sure. I was all over the place. <laughs> all over the place. Yeah. And then one day I came home from installing alarm systems, and my friend who works with me, like, I crashed on the couch, and I was just, like, sighing. He's like, what's wrong? And I was like... I am not excited to go to school. And he's like, why are you going to this program? And I was like, I don't know. He's like, what do you like to do? I'm like, I don't know. He's like, okay, right now we're figuring this out. So we started talking and I told him about music. He's like, okay, well, okay, music's a bad industry, but like, well, let's talk, let's look. We Googled. It's like sound, yeah. film, money, Right when he said money, he had this like this evil look in his eyes. And was that like the primary thing that attracted you? As soon as money, no, and then there he goes. Yeah, you know, it's funny though because I like before that point, I never thought of doing sound. Yeah, it's always like music, right, music, right, music. Totally. And then, but I started getting interested in like that's the whole thing. I was like, I've always had a good ear. And you didn't know that that was like an actual career path. I didn't know that, no. Right. Being like a sound engineer. So I, I, I gave VFS my email or my phone number and within like an hour they were calling me from, from BC. And wow. I just want to say, just for people listening to the podcast, we're not endorsing VFS. And we're, <laughs> I went there, these guys went there, and I'm, I'm not being Fuck like... Fuck you guys, I didn't VFS, go there. <laughs> yeah. But like, I know people who fucking hate VFS and have had shitty experiences too. Yeah. But I, I, I do feel like it's the most that you make of it. Like, I, I got a lot out of it because I really tried. Yeah. And I'm sure you guys did the same. That, yeah, same, same, same for, thing, for yeah. sure. We, there were people in our class. That's actually a lot of things. There was, yeah, there was actually, yeah. you know, one guy. Same like, mind, yeah. No names, but like people who actually didn't quite find it, you know, the right program and yeah. they dropped out. They, they just couldn't drop out like two terms in. They're just, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. just like, you know, that's one of the things too, which, you know, I keep telling because some of the new students who come in, they ask me like, what are you, what were your experiences like at VFS? The one thing I tell them is that don't expect it to be like school where there's someone who's going to be spoon feeding you all exactly. the time. They, Did you do this? Did you do exactly. this? Exactly. Oh, yeah. It all depends on how much you put in, you know, so the results that you get back. You can like, ask everything. Yeah, yeah like you can come it. do the, the assignments that teachers gave you, go home and get grades, that's it, end of it, and you can call it a day. Yeah. But it's, it all depends on like, you know, how much you put in and then you get back yeah. probably twice the amount. Yeah. Yeah. That's fair. Sweet. So yeah, that covers film school. Yeah, um, that kind of like rapid there. Where, <laughs> where we came from. Yeah. Let's go today. 
that let's not talk about like student loans that I have going on okay. right now. That's like a whole different <laughs> chapter right now. Like, that's a reality. That's, that's well, actually, yeah, let's talk about that for a second. <laughs> on that note, yeah. Um, do you think it was worth it spending all that money? Or well, if you could... Like 35, 40? I don't know. I didn't go there. You tell me. Yes. Yeah. How much it was? Yeah. For, for well, it depends. Like, it's two two different stories. Yeah. Here. As two a different stories. Exactly. It's like yeah. half the price. Right, and this right. For me, I had to literally pay like double the amount. But I did get a scholarship because I had some prior experience. Right. But I'm pretty sure that's like the marketing thing for international students. Yeah. Oh, you know, they up the price and then oh, we'll give you a scholarship because like yeah. for, I talked to a couple of my other international students and they were like, oh, we all got scholarship, but not the same amount that I got. Probably some even got like a lesser amount. So I'm like. I don't know how this works, but Fair I'm enough. pretty sure it's like a market. Yeah, I, I got the same deal, and they're like, but it's a special one. Don't tell anyone about it. Don't like, tell anyone, exactly. <laughs> like, people celebrate scholarships. Like, there itself, you can tell. That's like, yeah, you know, that doesn't sound right. I celebration should be within. I feel like they gouge you a little on price because they're really trying to, they spend a lot of money on marketing, yeah. and they have nice facilities. But at the same time, like, it's really expensive for film school. Mm. Yeah. No, it so, is, yeah. So, like, going back, would you guys do it again? Did you gain enough that it was worth that money? Or would you tell people, maybe just, you know, buy some gear and fucking try it yourself? So it depends on what you want to do. If it's a technical thing. Well, just thing, for sound. Yeah. Just for oh, sound. just for sound? Yeah. To me, I think it was totally worth it. Because yeah, okay. before I came to BFS, you know, there were certain benchmarks that I wanted to hit mm-hmm. after graduating BFS. But there were, like, way more that I hit than I expected. So, like, what kind of things? Uh, you know, there were certain things I was like, oh, because before uh, I came to VFS, my knowledge about location, sound, and some of the other technicalities in sound was very limited. I didn't know anything about surround sound formats. Yeah. So I was like, oh, maybe I'll learn that. You know, I'll learn to mix in five one. But then once you start learning about these surround sound formats and location sound, you start, you know, digging deeper and deeper. And right. you're like, oh, there's a lot more to it yeah. than just the big overview, right. you know, which you thought, oh, that was it before you joined BFS. Right. So in that regard, I think I got a lot more in that right. one year, you know, than before, before I joined BFS, if I was thinking back. Mm-hmm. So yeah, it was totally worth it for me. Like right. for the money, like to me as a person, I think like I would definitely ask someone else to yeah yeah is really good for you that's good and i remember like moving here i had thought about going as well and one of the things like it's a lot of money but when you compare it to like a university it's only one year instead of four right yeah so like i'm sure you guys had a pretty fucking crazy year mm-hmm. but like you get it all done in one instead of four years of your life yeah and, yeah that's, yeah, that's nice. huge well yeah like yeah. part of me feels like i haven't really gone to school <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was true. Like, like, yeah. like as, as brutal as it was, because it was intensive. It was I enjoyed every minute because mm. it was like so engaging and so practical. It was yeah. I love that. Yeah. That's good. That's good. It was good for me because I came from a background <laughs> where I had no training. Like Sid here had a bit of training beforehand, like in in sound design and uh, you know doing something sound maybe film. like uh, compared to what I know now. Well, maybe like very points very small. Percent. Yeah, I did like yeah. some sort. Yeah, the only thing I knew was like music. I didn't, I didn't even know how to use the like the proprietary software used for mm-hmm. sound design and like editing. So <laughs> for me to start the, from that point ground up to get to where I was. At graduation, I was so impressed. Yeah, when, I knew. when Derek started, he couldn't even hear. I, I, my <laughs> hearing was gone. And after VFS, his hearing just... It was like... It, it not only got better, like, just got it was years. like professional. No wonder it cost so much. <laughs> exactly. Like from deaf to professional sound gear. So if there's any deaf people listening to this... <laughs> so you have, yeah, you can reach everyone. So I'm proud of you, man. Hey, no, I don't know if, if, it's, if it was VFS that... Caused that miracle to happen, or if it was the late, the late, <laughs> or if it was those late night uh, preacher TV shows I was watching. He said, you know, plant a seed of faith, send one thousand dollars, and anything can happen. And I said, I want to hear, and I sent him that thousand dollars. And then you're there, you you started hearing many, many more thousands. So I don't know where Next it was. You started hearing. And then it just happened. So <laughs> I'm very grateful for that. some guys listening. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> it worked. Maybe I should try. <laughs> yeah, yeah, don't don't do that. All right, so you guys got film school behind you. Um, you come on board to party stories. What do you remember in the first little bit of like development and pre-production? Because there weren't, there's not a, an extensive amount of sound to be done in pre-production. But yeah. Do you remember any talks we had? If we did any tests or anything like that, just 
What was pre-production like as, you know, the I know, guys? like, uh, one of the most important things for any pre-production that matter, uh, we always, like, sound people always look out for is, like, the location. Yeah. Like, we really want to know, like, if the location is favorable for doing production mm-hmm. sound. I mean, the whole idea of doing production sound is to record clean dialogues. Yeah, yeah, totally. Primarily, you know. So, like, unless you have a clean location, that's not possible. So, I think that was one of the things we mainly talked about when I met with yeah matt uh you know for that meeting primary meeting and then uh and to us it actually worked in our favor for the sound people because it was just one location mm-hmm. except we had like two scenes outdoors which wasn't too bad yeah and then the house i was really surprised when i came in like you know especially when you said oh there's a skytrain bridge right next door yeah it's kind of and scary. i was like wow th- it's fairly quiet like i don't really yeah. hear the skytrain <laughs> at all and i was super happy yeah, I, was, I was even telling Derek, like, dude, like, there's a skystream bridge, but I don't think that's going to be a big issue for us. Anyway. Yeah, it's crazy, too, because we're, what, like, 200 feet from a skytrain? Yeah, it's, like, like we're right really there. Close. We're just super close. Yeah. And it's like, surprising, like, how quiet it is, like, inside when you get in, you're like, oh, it's it's, it's not even there. Yeah. It's really, like, and not there. For all. people that live in other cities, skytrain, it, it's not underground. It is above ground. Yeah. You hear it very audibly most of the time, but... We just have enough, you know, buildings in front of it, I guess, Trees, that we yeah. don't really hear it. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I guess, like, that's all it was for pre-production. Pre- yeah, like, for pre-production. Like, for sound-wise, I think location, that was... location, so it wasn't too bad. Oh, yeah. And, the, yeah, another thing which was, for us, was a concern was there were, like, like there were scenes where we had more than two or three actors yeah and then, yeah, like, yeah, you know, yeah so, so we did have quite a few actors at one mm-hmm. point and then we had to figure out a way on oh how do we get all of them mic'd up and then you know yeah. have individual isolated tracks for each of the actors rather than mm-hmm. combining two of them into one yeah that was a little bit of you know technical challenge for us you could say but yeah, it, worked. Well, it, it worked yeah, yeah. Okay, so let's go into production, and we'll do one note before we do. I remember that first meeting, you asked, you know, how many people do you have talking in each scene? And I think it's important for people writing a feature to think of that. Like, because we had an ensemble movie. We had, what, like 11 main cast? 10, 11? Yeah, yeah. And uh, luckily, we didn't have a scene where all 11 people were talking. So, like, at most, I think the card game scene had, was like, was, six was people six talking. People, yeah, but it was mainly between two people, and then other people would just chime in. Yeah. So, when you're filming something like that, when it comes to production, we can just have the laughs on our two main people and then mm-hmm. do a bunch of different takes, trade out some laughs with people exactly. that just have one-liners. So, if you're writing an ensemble movie and you're going to do it super micro-budget, write it in a way where it's going to be doable for your sound guys because odds are you're not going to have a guy that has an entire van full of gear no you're that's have, true yeah that's you're going to have really good tip. minimal laughs or whatnot so you can't have everything you can't have you know your quentin tarantino round table round where there's table, 25 like, people you talking have laughs yeah. for every backgrounds and the main cast yes yeah, yeah yeah definitely and i remember there was a before that meeting there was probably a scene or two where it's like there was a few more people talking it's like well let's make this a bit easier on ourselves let's just cut down on some of those people talking yeah. in the scenes you know um so yeah i think that's a tip that people should keep in mind when writing if you're doing something very micro budget and you're gonna you know not have unlimited amounts of gear yeah i was gonna say along with that if you're gonna do a micro budget film mm-hmm. please put some emphasis on sound because if you're gonna if you want it to be yeah. remotely good no, like it doesn't matter how good visually it'll be if you have like just a, a mic attached to your camera that's not going to cut it yeah there's an old saying i don't you might know who said this but um people will always forgive shoddy images because it can be chalked up to like artistic style and whatnot but the second the sound is bad it just it turns something in your core and exactly. you're like there's something wrong with this movie it just pulls you out instantly. Um, yeah gene hackman said that yeah fuck off <laughs> no that was jane goodall <laughs> No, but for real, that's a good point. No, that's a really good point, especially for micro-budget filmmakers. It's actually a really pro tip, I would say, Yeah, to actually give some sort of emphasis to sound if you really want to get that production sound into post. It's worth the couple hundred bucks to find someone that has a basic kit and and give some time to help out. Yeah, Yeah. and like I remember, you'll hear stories of like, the Blair Witch Project was shot on like, you know, 500 bucks or whatever, and they got picked up and played in 5,000 theaters, right? Yeah. And people would be like, well, you know, I only have to spend 500 bucks. Who cares about the sound? And what 
they don't tell you is sure someone like Warner Brothers or whoever bought that movie, yeah. but then they sunk like a half a million dollars into fixing into the fixing audio. All the so audio. fucking bad, yeah. right? right? And that kind of shit yeah. just doesn't happen anymore. So really, we live in an age where someone's not going to pick you up for that amount of money, and even if they do, they're not. They don't have the cash to invest in you to fix all of those things. Right. So just you know, do yourself a favor. Think of it beforehand and do what you can like you're not going to have unlimited gear same with audio video anything with a micro budget movie but try and do your best (laughs) in that circumstance you know definitely yeah yeah all right so when it came to production um how'd it go what do you guys think it's a lot of fun. As Sid said earlier, it was like a family. Yeah. This is what's nice about kind of more guerrilla style filmmaking where you can kind of be more personable with people and, and get and develop good relationships because that's what helped, I think, establish that flow we had going on with yeah. everyone. Yeah. So when, you know, in between shots we had to switch out Matt Mike's, it, it was like, it wasn't like you were like, oh, hurry up. <laughs> it was like, okay, you know, we, we were quick. We, yeah. we tried to be as we efficient as possible. We all knew, you know, how to get into the flow of, mm-hmm. you know, each other ones. And yeah. then that was, I think, one of the most important things too. Yeah. Because it really helped us ease out on the workflow of, you know, oh, switching mics, like like Derek said, switching yeah. mics. And then, oh, what's the next scene? We have to be worrying about that when we're doing this scene now. Yeah. But we all kind of knew, you know, what was going on and then how everything was working out. So, yeah. yeah. I got a question. Like when you guys were shooting... Uh, why did you guys alternate roles? Because one day one of you would be holding the boom and you'd switch and stuff like that. I think it was we were just recently grad graduated from school, yeah. so it is, we took this as an opportunity to more or less practice in a way, yeah. like to right. say, hey, I we I learned how to you know because for those who are listening, when you're typically on set, there's a there's a guy who's known as the location sound mixer who's recording the audio and adjusting the levels of the dialogue recorded. And then there's a boom operator who is the guy holding the traditional boom pole and the mic, which records the dialogue as well. And then on bigger productions, there'll be a sound assistant helping, you know, real real cables and and miking up people and everything. But yeah, we, we had just those two on this set the, yeah. the mixer and the boom op the mixer and the boom op and like I personally I like boom opping more mm-hmm. it gets me more into the heat of the moment mm-hmm. but being a sound mixer is also a very very uh, important yeah and it's like you're dealing with two different universes yeah it is like two different universes you know? there's so many challenges for each and I think it was yeah. just something we said hey let's uh, take turns and you know and we can try to get a taste of both since we graduated mm-hmm. we both wanted to know the ups and downs of both I yeah. Guess. yeah so here's a question for you how short do you, how sore do your shoulders get when you're doing the boom up oh my god <laughs> well is it brutal or there, there's a saying you know like most of the girls on a set they actually look out for the boom up guys because they actually have these big massive biceps it's like a <laughs> saying that goes around <laughs> it's true though it, like, honestly like it's it also goes down to what kind of yeah. equipment you have because like okay. even just like a couple pounds difference or even a pound difference in the, the weight of the boom pole well yeah I mean you're, you're extending it like 10 feet yeah that's you huge have, like the hardest scene I think for when we were doing uh, production for your film was uh, when we were outside and yeah. like you know the fights and stuff <laughs> I, I, I couldn't get too close because your camera was going all over the place and yeah. we didn't want to risk being in the shot so I had to be far enough away where I could extend the boom and get the get all the efforts and dialogue but I remember that was super, that was super yeah strange. that was a long take too. If I, yeah, if it was I, if a long take. Wrong. That was a whole day um, too. <laughs> yeah. It's a lot of sweating. I sweat easily though, but I so much sweating when I'm booming. Like yeah, long takes. There were some like long dialogue takes too with like Diego. Yeah. Where I was like, I was like, hey, okay, okay. fine, end. yeah, just end. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you do get used to it after a while. I think. Like, no, just, you do. Yeah, it's just it's like a, when you're starting out. Like to any boom mob, if you talk any experienced boom mob, they would never complain. Oh, my shoulder, they always hurt. Like when, because mm-hmm. it, it's just. You know, like if anybody knows a new car, you have to like run it a few times to get you know get it after yeah, into the yeah, flow. Yeah. It's the same thing, you know. Initially, when you have when you start out, yeah, you, there might be some pains and cramps, but then you just get used to it. And then you learn positions that work like for yeah. you and, mm-hmm. and that like work with the shot. 
It's it's an art, really. Like like film is. It's an yeah. art. Oh yeah, doing is definitely an art. Oh yeah, really. people think it's just simple. Hold hold the pole and put point the mic at the actor, oh, but it's no. so much more than that. Yeah, so much. Like more. really experienced boom operators have huge respect on set. Like everybody respects like a boom operator because they know like he's the only one who's in charge of the sound on set. Yeah. Because usually these days everything's digital and wireless. The mm-hmm. sound mixer is setting offset somewhere. Yeah. And the boom operator is basically the one who's running the show right. for sound. Yeah. And, you know, everyone gives, you know, makes sure that he's treated with that kind of respect. Right. Especially if he's super experienced. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's It sounds like you guys are talking up the boom op position. <laughs> I usually like yeah. to curse, well, it's, curse you know, them out. <laughs> it's, it's just like, yeah, I mean. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I mean, they both have, like, their, you know, they're both upsides and I'm downsides. Totally, totally totally no, I know, no, I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm not saying that, you know, oh, I'm offended by it, but still, no. yeah. No, because when I was in film school, they, we had to, for like some of the smaller projects, we had to take these roles too. And I'd, I'd always gravitate towards being the boom up. Because for me, I was like, I'm going to get the best fucking sound. You've there ever. you go. <laughs> <laughs> it just it was burns like, within you. Yeah, yeah you it was, uh, you know, I'd point the mic like exactly at this angle and look at their mouth and I'd be like, <laughs> you got a wet mouth. <laughs> <laughs> you got, it'd be like a laser. I'm like, I'm going to shoot this laser. Yeah, like tunnel vision. <laughs> That's why I get like when I see a, like a good boom up on set and they're just like really in it. I can tell. But when when there's not when there's the dude who's just like this like orangutan hanging from the tree <laughs> he's not even looking at the actor she's just looking straight yeah yeah there's a shot where yeah you, you can tell you can yeah. tell you can oh, tell for sure you can hear it you can hear the difference for sure <laughs> and then you hear the difference yeah so like definitely I think sometimes do people do underestimate the importance of a boom up but when you get a good one you know because they're fucking like on one point yep yeah, yeah exactly I, I definitely agree Alright, so yeah, uh, with production, was there anything that stood out as challenging or just like a good lesson to learn that you think people listening to this would be like, oh yeah, that's a really good piece of advice, just anything like that? I mean, talking about challenges, we did have one challenge on set, I don't know if you remember, but we had that hissing, no, of course, that was like, not a challenge, but it's more kind of like a... Yeah, it's an everyday thing. It's an everyday thing, kind of used to it, but no, the point being, you know, jokes apart, there was that hissing sound that came from beneath this floor. Oh, oh, And we were trying so hard to figure out the source of that sound, but then, you know, all of us were running around. I think we stalled for like five minutes or ten minutes to figure out what that was. Yeah, so basically, there's an apartment underneath where we shot... There was some kind of radiator-esque sound. Yeah. And or gas. Hope not. <laughs> Something, but it was coming from underneath. And then, you know, it was so hard to figure out where the source of that sound was, yeah. you know. Yeah, and there's things like that. Like, I remember um, at one point we unplugged the fridge. Yeah. And you're like, I can hear the fridge. I'm like, fuck, that makes total sound, but I never would have thought of it. And it's like, all right, unplug the fridge. And here's a note to yourself. If you unplug a fridge for a shoot, Set a timer or something. You want to plug that shit back? <laughs> tell, tell them what you told me. Yeah, what, this is, this what sound people advice. usually do is, you know, if you're, if you're for sound guys, if you're unplugging a fridge from any location, either put your keys or your phone in the fridge when you oh, unplug nice. it. Oh, nice. So then, you know, you won't ever forget to, um, you know, replug it back in. Yeah, that's a great idea. Or else you'll forget your phone or your car keys or your house keys. You know, that's what I usually do. <laughs> yeah, that, that, it that actually works. You gotta, be, you gotta be pretty bad if you forget those leaving the set. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, even if you did forget them, you would go back to yeah. get it. And yeah. you will after you have to, you know, plug the fridge back. Another challenge was the sky train, like the so there's an overhead train that runs by Matt's house here, and we had that to deal with on our outside shots. Yeah. And we 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 and airplanes, that was the thing. But we would just be sure to communicate that to Matt, say, hey Matt, like just so you know that take wasn't good because yeah. we had plane. Like, yeah a plane or it was like that, and he usually was pretty good on saying, okay, we'll do another one because yeah. he he. He as a director, not to talk you up, but understood the value of having getting a good take for sound, not just for picture, but for yeah. sound as well. Yeah, like, and like definitely. at that point, if they're like, <clears throat> there's an airplane, it's like, what can you really do? Can you be like, what do you mean there's an airplane? <laughs> like, you, can't <laughs> get, you can't get angry. You're just like, oh well, shit. Okay, let's oh, do another we'll one. Just have room. Yeah. 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 Don't you have an un-airplane filter? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, I really wish that would happen in the future. You guys laugh like there show. was. The, the way you guys laugh. No, I laugh like <laughs> there is. <laughs> it's like, they don't know anything. <laughs> no, no, but 
sometimes I'm laughing because sometimes the, the expectations for us can be is like unrealistic. Yeah, yeah. very unrealistic. Totally. Like, we'll yeah. talk about a few of those yeah. unrealistic. Like, what's a scenario where someone would expect something of you, and you'd be like, "This fucking guy doesn't know what's up," and it's driving me nuts. Yeah, like, yeah. What are a few examples of that? Oh man, don't get me started. Oh no, no, this is great because I've never, I've never heard this. I've never had an opportunity to talk to like sound like guys sound about yeah. this. Like, mm-hmm. what are pet peeves for you? Like on set. Well, <laughs> you can name I, a few and I'll, I'll start with one is, is the whole notion of recording ADR, yeah. like, which is like additional dialogue recording. There's different terms for it. I, I, I'd call it additional dialogue recording. Yeah, oh, additional dialogue automatic. Recording. Anyway, automatic. There's so many basically, yeah. when you get a good, bad, bad recording of the dialogue on set because something happened like plane or something, they didn't get another shot. Right. You, re, you re-record in the studio and... I think a lot of the times um, there can be <laughs> a lot of unrealistic expectations from the from the unrealistic expectations from the, the director uh, in in saying, "Hey, we're gonna uh, like, for instance, you take make a shot and they say, "Oh, that was good for sound," and you're telling them no, and then they they say, "Well, there's gonna be like X amount of time for ADI recording." Or oftentimes there's no time for ADI recording. Like for mm-hmm. instance, like this set, we 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 agreed, yeah. okay, we're not gonna do ADR. Yeah. Um, and sometimes they they expect magically like it just goes back to what we were just talking that like I've seen expectations from people saying hey uh, that was a bad take like, that dialogue will not be able to be used we yeah. are going to have to re-record that and they think somehow we are going to be able to magically They'll make, it make, it work. Work. Mm-hmm. make it work but yeah. as we talked about earlier it's not going to work we're not magicians sound is an art but you just like on the inception of the sound when you're recording, if you have to get the best quality, because if you don't, yeah. uh, it, it's it's harder to fix down the line. You have to start exactly. at a good point and then go that way. It can never be like, oh, that was bad, and we'll just make it good. <laughs> if there's, there's no button, just no. Make, no, no there's no button that magically just changes everything. Wait, write this down, There's two buttons that don't yeah. exist. There's a make a good one. <laughs> so if your sound guy is like, that take was bad for sound, then trust them and like take another exactly yeah. yeah this is this is like one of the things yeah for a production standpoint like most of my pet peeves come from post-production really okay. oh yeah like those are those are honestly that's where most of the hell breaks loose no, because like previously me and matt discussed like our experience on post sound yeah for party stories but we'd, like i'd love to get a second opinion on like what you guys think about all that all that uh all the process of doing that with like a director for example yeah yeah um, but back to pet peeves. Yeah, yeah so just, I'm saying pr- production pet peeves. That's one of them. Is like just having an ignorance to what's going on on set for sound. It's just helpful to have a director who's aware of what's going exactly. on. Exactly. And plus, you know, one of the other things which I often get is that if say like there's you know I'm giving you a scenario, just like an example. Say like there's there's a scene and there's some sort of a fire or some other weird fan noise going in the background. <laughs> And then uh, your mic is really close. The actor is sitting next to this this noise, mm-hmm. and you know at the noise is not there in the shot, so it could be turned off. But sometimes people are like, "Oh no! Like you could just point the mic at the actor. You know, you're recording the actor. You're not <laughs> recording the the noise." But that's just not how sound works. Yeah. You know. You, you know. You basically like, it's just like your ear. You put your ear in, you know, close to your actor speaking, and you have the same noise close to your actor speaking. You're gonna hear both. Yeah. That's just the same principle. Right. But they just think, oh, the mic can magically isolate everything else and just record yeah. the voice yeah. of the actors. So that's one of the thing. Again, going back to what Derek said, like always trust your sound guys on set. That's why you have them on set for. You know, granted they have experience. Like, granted, don't, they have don't, experience. don't just hire someone that's like yeah, just like, bought their equipment and never done. Like, never done sound. <laughs> like you know, and they're like, oh, we know sound, but yeah. yeah, but yeah, for people who experience with sound, you know, make sure you always trust them. You know, because they are the ones they want the good sound for your film, yeah. and uh, mm-hmm. you know, so they, if they ask for a retake, you know, it's uh, you know, I would say that you need to give them a retake because they wouldn't say retake just to waste your time. Right. Or because, I yeah. mean, honestly, we would love to get it right on the first take. Oh, yeah. But most often, you know, it doesn't happen that way and right. they will have to retake it. But yeah, whenever they ask for a retake, you know, it's really good to give them a retake for sound. Can yeah. you talk about anything else that sound might need um, on set that like 
would skip people's mind, like room tone, wild lines, anything like that? What do you think people oh, don't think of very often? That's that's one of the other thing. Again, you know, it also has to do with the pep talk we were talking about. For when you roll room tone, it is absolutely. I can't stress this enough, but shut it is absolutely imperative to shut <laughs> yeah. the fuck up. Like not just shut the fuck up. Like shut, turn off your body entirely for yeah. like thirty seconds. Don't breathe. Like literally, just just turn off. Because usually people just assume that oh, like we won't talk, but we'll move around. I've had to deal with like me and Derek as well. We have to deal oh, with yeah. so many situations where people will just move around, and then you know, but they won't talk. And oh, that, there's room tone. That's not how room tone works. I can hear you walking. Exactly. You're wearing steel shoes. I know. So you just you know, it's it's absolutely absolutely important that is, you just um, just stay quiet, just stand still for like thirty seconds at least. That's all we ask for. What do you seconds. use room tone for for people? Who I was actually about to say. Uh, you want to fill that in? You yeah, know? room tone is recorded to to get obviously the space of the environment that was that was the the scene took place. So, for instance, like a, a hospital room or just a bedroom in general, and it gives you the ambience of that area, right. which then can be used very effectively to help transition between um, in post-production. That's the cat, by the way. That's not Sid. Just fucking shut <laughs> Chester, stop being a dick. <laughs> Back to room tone. When the post-production sound editors are working with the dialogue, the most important part of the film, in my opinion, uh, sometimes you need that room tone to be a cushion for transitional... Um, uh, lines between what's uh, recorded dialogue and what's ADR. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, for instance, like, when you record something ADR in the booth, it's going to be in a different environment. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. Clean. Yeah, raw. Yeah. So, you're going to... Like, when people notice things off about movies or something, a lot of the time it's to do with the dialogue. Right. They'll be like, that didn't sound... Something about what like he said didn't sound right. It's usually the dialogue. Right. There will be other things, but I've noticed that if you, do, if you fuck up the dialogue... It's weird. It's weird. It's weird. So dialogue has king. <laughs> dialogue is king. When you have yeah. like good smooth transitions, uh, you can use the room tone as a bed for the switching between production dialogue into ADR, mm. and it helps muddy that mm. the dialogue to yeah, sound just makes like it sound same space. Same yeah. space. Right. Okay. And it also works as a good spends as a good ambience because it gives it the true ambience of the area that right. you need and a good reference point for adding additional layers. Exactly. Yeah. That's one of the other yeah. things too. If you want to add additional ambiences, which usually post-production designers do, they add other ambiences to, you know, make that setting or that room or that location come alive. And right. then this would be a really good reference point, mm -hmm. you know, the room to record it. So if someone's like, you know, like putting sea sands away during room tone, it fucks everything up, right? Oh, uh, <laughs> no. We would literally stop recording <laughs> until that person just stops yeah, moving. Because I've been on point. in situations like that where it's like room tone and some guy's like, all right. And he like shuts up, but he starts like putting lights away. And it's like, what the fuck, dude? <laughs> it's, yeah, lack it's, of understanding. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's just, it just needs to be explained. But sometimes like the set just goes with that. They're like, well, it's fine, right? Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah we, don't, we don't have it's time for it. It's 30 seconds. <laughs> I walk away. Like as soon as room tone happens, I walk out of this, the room and just like go somewhere far away. Because I'll start laughing during yeah. room tone. Yeah. Keith just wants to make all the noise. So he no, I just, to... I laugh during room tone. No, room some people do that. Funny. They just like, there's something towards silence that they don't like and they just start laughing. <laughs> yeah, I, there's some people there, yeah. So I can't go to funerals, but um, <laughs> dark. Well, I'm gonna skip that invitation then. How would I invite you to my funeral, Derek? Are you saying you're you specifically not invited when that goes down? I was gonna say, are you, like, are you making a list of people that you want to? No, I'm never gonna go to any of my friends' funerals. Oh. Okay, that's well. Cool. It's oh. a blanket statement, so like, can't be upset. It's not like I'm not going to <laughs> your funeral. <laughs> <laughs> I am not personally affected by this <laughs> at the present moment. Yeah, and like I'm gonna be dead anyway, so fuck you. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And like you'll be dead, and like oh, Brett Latif's there. I'm like, fuck you. I'm not at your funeral. <laughs> that's a good. Took a turn. Tangent. Yeah, like you're yeah. like yeah, great guys. Great care in between you guys. Yeah. No, I'll be at funerals. Anyways. <laughs> Oh, awesome. Uh, so yeah, you got room tone. What about like wild lines? Anything else like that? Anything that comes to mind that people, when they go into production, might not think of that. You know, you guys have to be like, hey, maybe you might want some of these. Yeah, like I think what's important for sound, uh, you know, a good sound person will be having read the script thoroughly beforehand, mm -hmm. so that they're aware of what to expect from the scene and know, hey, if this person's going to be yelling, 
in this scene. Yeah. First of all, we should be recording two tracks. One of them's, you know, pretty hot, and the other one's going to be a little bit quieter, so in case it clips, mm. yeah. where the volume goes above the mount that the audio recorder can handle. Yeah. Doesn't distort. Right. Uh, that's important. But then, yeah, like maybe talking to the um, the AD or the director to find out, hey, like I noticed like this this guy's going to be screaming off camera. Mm-hmm. Do you want to get some wilds of him saying different things? Like mm-hmm. having those options available yeah. for post-production. But just yeah. to define wild lines real quick for the listeners. What's a wild line? Wild line is a line you record in the wild. <laughs> All right, well, I'm out of here. I got a wild line. <laughs> No, so like a wild line. Yeah, is... slept with your sister. Oh, oh, there you go, guys. That's wild lines for you right there. But yeah, no, wild line is basically any line which you know you think, for example, would be an effort like Derek said, a scream where uh, you know you don't you, see you it. don't really you know you need options for posts. Right. That could be one of the reasons, and another reason is say like for example, there's a telephone conversation, and you know the cameras shooting one person so you want the other side of the conversation happening so you could do that other side as a wild on and set. then on, on set and right. then you could you know process it in post okay. so there's a lot of cases where we do wild lines so a wild line is just anything that is recorded when the camera's not rolling it's just the sound rolling and you record it for the purposes of yeah. something of the scene or like you know in a shot there's something happening that's outside the frame okay yeah yeah, it can be very useful too. And then especially to add on to what you said about, uh, you know, say if someone's screaming, uh, you take multiple wide lines for sound guys. It's also important that you follow the camera perspective. Mm-hmm. Say like, you know, it's a wide shot and the guy screaming, you know, it will be pointless if you do a wild of the mic pointing like just right in front one, of him. One in yeah. one of him and then have him scream because, yeah. you know, so just have multiple take. You can do that, but also have, you know, have place the mic like way back. Make it realistic. Exactly. Following the camera perspective. You want like the audio to match the camera perspective. So mm-hmm. it's not like the guy's like across a warehouse, but then the audio is like right in your face, and you're like, that yeah. doesn't feel right. No, it yeah. doesn't feel right. right. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, it never will. No, it, it'd be impossible to mix that. Exactly, and it's it's so hard to even yeah. if you were adding some reverb or like anything, so doing some processing post, it's so hard to match that perspective if you were going to record it close. Right. Mm-hmm. So get it right the first time. That's it. Cool. Cool. Uh, was there? anything else noteworthy about production you think people might be interested to hear or was it uh, pretty much like wrap it all up because at the end of the day like it was just one location yeah well it ended up in the final film we yeah. did a little bit of other stuff but um yeah anything else i think we covered it pretty good like it's mm-hmm. uh, well, i got a couple questions if you guys don't have anything else to add oh no yeah go ahead answers. um like for example if you're on set and there's a scene and you can't get the boom going from <coughs> above and you need to scoop the, mm-hmm. the boom, does that change the quality of the audio? Well, it depends, you know. Uh, the thing is, scooping is, also, is, is not bad. I won't say it's bad at all. It, right. it actually sounds pretty close to if you were booming from overhead. Right. But there's a lot of factors which could affect scooping, mainly right. that, uh, so this, this mic is really directional. And you know, for a mic that is really directional, mm-hmm. it doesn't only pick up sounds coming from the front, it also picks up sound coming from, from the back of the microphone. That's just how okay. the microphone's designed. Mm-hmm. So, you know, when if if they're talking, say like a person is you know moving and talking, you would easily pick up his footsteps right. because it's picked up from the back of the microphone. And then another thing is if it's a really reverberant room, it just sounds so echoey, right. then since the microphone is pointed upwards, it has more tendency to pick up all that echoness. Okay. And that another issue is if you're scooping outdoors, you have the risk of getting the planes overhead, mm-hmm. you know, because if yeah. the mic's pointed downwards, the pickup is the pickup of the microphone is more pointing towards the direction mm-hmm. it was pointed to. Yeah. The pickup the rear of the microphone is less compared to the front. Mm-hmm. So this one if you're pointing it upwards, you're you're easily picking up all that supply. Or anything. Anything, yeah. So scooping would be the last option. You know, mm-hmm. if if the sound guy is totally out of any options, depending on where you place the shot, the right. camera. But it's then, still yeah. good. It's still good, yeah. you know, as long as you, you can avoid all of these problems, okay. it sounds perfect. And there usually isn't a situation with that, like, where the boom mop can't um, find a position, like, even if it's scooping. Like, the worst case scenarios are usually master shots, where, okay. like, the establishing shots. It's yeah. super wide. It's super yeah. wide at that yeah. point, and usually we just rely on labs, because they'll right, usually yeah. pull pull in for, for, coverage, right? for, for coverage. coverage. Yeah, yeah. Just so usually, yes. knowing, like, having a good idea where the shots are, like, 
what kind of shots are happening in the mm-hmm. scene. So if you say, oh, they're only getting a master for this, God knows why, but okay. they're only getting a ma- like a, a establishing shot for this scene. Yeah. Then we got to plan everything. Right. Got it. Yeah. So we do keep track of the shots really well, and they usually have a shot list. Yeah, it's important. Like you know, not every sound guy usually gets a shot list, but it's, mm-hmm. if you do have a shot list, it makes our lives a lot more easier. Yeah, we can give you the best sound too. We can, you know, it's always. For sound guys, it's absolutely important to plan ahead of the game, right. and you know, yeah. always be on point. Being uh, adaptable, yeah, you're being adaptable, yeah. and they need to be super flexible because they literally won't have time to troubleshoot anything because we're dealing with something you cannot see—that's sound. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so you need to always keep that in mind when you're doing, you know, especially when you're recording sound on set. Okay. So yeah, I mean, having a shot list really helps us to give you the best possible sound. No, I didn't even know that. I, I never considered giving a shot list to a sound guy, but usually we don't get it but you know it's you know it doesn't hurt to request the production hey right. can we get a shot list if they say no all you lose is the word but yeah. okay. okay what so, other questions you get well what about like when it comes to clothing i know clothing sometimes causes issues for lab wings yeah so like what is something good to avoid for example synthetic like the cat woman rubbery kind of clothes those mm-hmm. things are the worst for sound Terrible, terrible. The squeakiness is just so loud. There's no way you can fix that in right. post. Mm-hmm. That's just that whole thing has to be ADR. So, so uh, BDSM film. <laughs> pretty Isn't much. that your next project? No comment. <laughs> no comment. Uh, did I just spoil something? Okay. I retract Spoilers, that statement. Guys. We'll just edit that. It's just called sex. Leatherbound. <laughs> sex with a three. No, with uh, the five as with the as, five. Oh, okay. Three. <laughs> so it's about five people. I was, I was thinking threesome, but uh, no, anyway. We've actually quit filmmaking. We're into porn now. <laughs> Specifically, five. Don't, yeah, you should. You should get a sound guy that does sound for for sex. For, 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 for you, you know, all that's foley, right? Yes. The foley artists for like these. You know, it's an actual. Like probably the most genius sound people ever. They do it's, all it's creative work. stuff. Yeah. I know it sounds ridiculous, but but yeah, back to production. <laughs> back to non-porn. <laughs> Okay, so like, if you're wearing like you know cotton or like natural fabrics, that's better because they're just quiet in general. Yeah, that's quiet. And yeah, also and one of the things. Can, yeah, you can go for yeah, no, uh, you know, it's cotton is really good, yep. but it's one of the things we should avoid is multiple layers of clothes. Right. Yeah. Okay. So when you're outdoors, wrestling against each other. Exactly. Yeah. So that's hard, especially you know it, the more the mic is buried inside and you have so many layers of clothes, it's just going to sound so much muffled. It's just going to sound mm-hmm. like yeah. So that's just no. It not becomes good. a big job for us to know how to adapt right in those okay. situations because yeah you have to have tricks up your sleeve yeah yeah plus like you know there's a lot of miking techniques Lots, like you said like tons. The, 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 wow. just a few but but there's actually a lot of techniques that you some people usually use to mic up the actors they somehow try to make it work i mean you have to so you like hide mics in different parts of the, the outfit yeah it's sure. not just uh it's not just a shirt right. you know you, like for for girls if they have long hair even for guys if they have long hair you could even hide it in the in, in the could hair hide it in a beard you'd hide it in a beard could you really no really Things like i've be. actually you wow. know hidden a mic in a beard for one of the shows that I did. Did you feel gross doing it? No, not at all. No, how, what was the beard like though? Was it nice or it was, was it like nice caveman? Beard. It was I mean it was caveman, it was like bigger than both of yours. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> there was, used to there was actually a lot of room to hide it. And Did then you hide a mic and a nose. Uh, no, you, 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 you haven't up, done you it go yet. Up through the anus and then, <laughs> <laughs> and then bring it all the way to the nose. <laughs> it's a bit of a procedure. Wow. <laughs> I need to buy you a it's beer. That's probably one of the funniest. We, we call that the prostate technique. <laughs> the prostate technique. It's a procedure. It's a procedure. I'm going to test it on myself first. I'm going to message all the actors in the new movie being like, I'm going to numb you out for about two hours. But you you won't have to take the mics on or off the whole shoot. (laughs) Just leave it there. Occasionally you have to change batteries, but that's okay. That's a whole thing in itself. Knowing Cougar, he'd be like, I'm ready. (laughs) Mic me. (laughs) Mic but yeah we use a lot of techniques to somehow make it work there's a lot of places where we can hide it's not just you know on, on your shirt or the, the cloak that you're wearing okay here's a good one for like maybe a filmmaker who's a little like less experienced they'll be like oh I have a shotgun I'm good for my shoot and they're, and they're like oh I don't want to lie shotgun mic not gun no no I meant gun speak into the mic like a shotgun gun. a shotgun mic to, yeah. to get you know uh, like the sound from the boom mm-hmm. and then He's like, oh, I don't need a lab mic. Or maybe they only have a lab mic. 
why do you recommend getting different mics to do different types of uh, capture? Because yeah. some, some people might just think one is okay. Yeah, it's, you know, it's also got to do with the way you have your shots ready. Like Derek said earlier, if you have a master wide shot, it's it's impossible to get a, at a boom, the shotgun mic in there. So right. in those cases, we rely on wires alone. Right. So if you have only a boom mic and you don't have any lavalier microphones, that shot is pretty much like the master is, there's going to be no audio. You'll mm -hmm. just have the big boom just as a reference. Right. You, Sorry, I didn't cut you off. But yeah, the, no, at the ahead. end of the day, you want to be able to understand the dialogue you're hearing and right. that's all people care about they just want to like when the most frustrating thing for me and i know for a lot of people is when you're watching something a film or whatever it is show you can't under make out what they're saying you have yeah. your volume up okay but you can't make it out it's frustrating mm -hmm. and, you're, and and you're like well i can't hear that properly and a lot of times it comes down to amateur filmmaking that happens a lot in that mm -hmm. or it could be the intent of the filmmaker like for instance movie interstellar there were a lot of scenes in that movie where the music was just like yeah, and they were saying right, things but you couldn't really make it out I believe that was the intent of the director right. some people argue that it just wasn't properly mixed well you got 300 million dollars I think it's a style thing at that right yeah. 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 yeah but on a lower budget scale I think when people are using like what Latif said the logic of well I got my shotgun mic it's all I need on my camera you're gonna yeah you're gonna pick up some dialogue but good luck trying to raise the volume of that dialogue and still make it understandable because exactly. yeah. you know yeah, that it, unless they're like right in front of your camera. Yeah. I, I've been guilty of that on my first film where I was like, I got a mic, and then like the audio just wasn't, you know. It's hard, but you know, you, you learn from like making the hardcore mistakes. So that's right. That's why, like, you when you get more experience, you hire like sound guys dedicated because they know what the hell they're doing. Yeah, yeah. Rather yeah. than I can take care of it. So yeah, yeah, for sure. Should we talk about some post sound stuff? Take it away. So you guys have some expertise in that. Oh, that's a whole other world. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a yeah. different world. Yeah. I think that's something very interesting to touch on because a lot of people who listen might be first-time filmmakers who've never been in that situation where they have to talk to people who do sound on their film. Yeah. So, like, when, say, a director finished their short or their micro-feature and they're like, all right, guys, Derek said, what's the first step? What do I do? Like, how do they get... We need to talk. Yes. Yeah. First thing is, like, definitely the talking. Uh, what are Usually what happened, we call it the spotting session right. where, uh, you know, since, so usually when you guys start editing, uh, you won't have like the final picture lock right away. Mm -hmm. You come up with a rough cut initially and then you go back and then, you know, before you've locked the picture. Right. So with the rough cut, what we usually do is we have a sit down with mm -hmm. whoever's doing post. And then we just talk about the whole sound aspect of the film, like how you want the film to sound like there's, you know, we pitch in ideas, the director will have ideas and like, oh, I want this scene to sound like this, there's this thing that I really want, you know, turned up, you know, he would give us sound notes and we take that down and then we have a discussion on the entire sounding of the film. And then usually like the spotting session is also accompanied by the, the picture editor, the mm -hmm. director, and sometimes even the composer is there. Mm -hmm. because it's 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 like you know for filmmakers for upcoming filmmakers i would stress this again it's essential that your composer is always in touch with your sound designer as well 100 percent. because usually what happens is the composer works by himself yep. and then you know the sound designers have no idea like how the thing is going to sound mm -hmm. and then we do the sound designers do our own thing and when it comes to the final mix there's this total clash mm -hmm. of like two different sounds Mm -hmm. And then it doesn't just just doesn't quite doesn't match. Sit properly, huh? It doesn't sit properly, and sometimes like you know they're all in the same frequency range. Like they're all like in the bass sounding heavy, or they're like in the mids. Right. And then it just sounds too cluttered altogether. So right. if if they if they're both in touch, they both have an understanding of like oh, in this scene, I think like we can play the music up, and the sound you know can take away on that one. Right. So like you know they can both get and you know go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. uh, so it would be really good if they get in touch initially itself before you start post work yeah. and that's, here's, a, here's a quick question yeah if you're in a situation where say the filmmaker has like final cut is done mm -hmm. they haven't talked to anyone about post sound or composing yeah what would you tell them would you tell them uh let us do our sign sound design first and then bring it to the composer let him do his thing first then bring it to us what like if it had to go down that way so do done time their movie at the same time what would you tell them honestly um, figure out the vision of your your film mm -hmm. sonically so as a director yeah. make sure you understand where, 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 what you see it being sonically because 
like as a sound designer myself, I always keep that in mind when I'm we're doing work. It's like, what does the director see this as the outcome? The most positive experience I've had doing posts have been when I've been able to match the vision of the director. So if he can get that right, and then he brings that to his composer and his his um, his sound crew for post, that then I think everything will be a lot smoother. Mm. You know, and then these guys can be able they can carry out that vision. Like it's it's really simple because at the end of the day, like film is art, and it's there's like there's um business like not business but like uh, industry standard procedures for a lot of these things. That's not that's not really what Sid and I are here to talk about. It's more about yeah. like how to get it done. You know what I mean in a good way. Like yeah. so when the when the director has a good vision, brings it to us went through us having like a spotting session. Mm-hmm. We just go to town and we, we, we carry that out and it takes time and yeah. that's another yeah. big thing is time. Yeah, that's what I wanted to ask you next. What is it like when a director comes to you and says, um, we need this final sound done in a week to submit to Sundance? Or do you want to punch him in the face? Oh, or it, we've had that so many times. You've had that so many times. Mostly it's, it's you know, it's impossible. Like it's 95% of the time. Like how, how well, it depends. It, it totally scale, depends. It's, it's, it's exactly, it's totally subjective. Right. You know, yeah. if, if the director gives us a date, we would definitely look at the scale of the film and mm-hmm. see how much work it needs to be done. Okay. And yeah. then if it's achievable, yeah, then we would definitely say, you know, okay, we can do it by yeah. a date. But, Sometimes some directors give us like unrealistic dates. Oh, we want like a Jurassic Park kind of movie done in a week. <laughs> yeah. I mean, come on, guys. Good luck. That's that's totally unrealistic. Yeah. Right. So, so what yeah. would you say, like, just as a blanket statement, the minimum amount of time you would want to do post sound is that you would need? Yeah. Like yeah. obviously, the more time the better. But if you were to say just this is a rough minimum, what is it? For let's go with like for a short and then like a feature. Short feature. Yeah. yeah. For a short feature, for a short, I would say at least three weeks three to four weeks mm-hmm. uh you know to do if you have adr and then everything to the final mix yeah all the recording that's exactly. and if you want to like do the final mix in like a surround sound format like five one probably even longer maybe like at least a month and a week mm-hmm. after a month yeah because yeah. uh, you know five one mix is different from a stereo mix it's, yeah. it's way more harder and the edits are like it's totally different right so it, it needs a lot more time but then for a feature uh it's it's totally again like super subjective. It and is. It it could vary from like two months or a month and a half to you know like four months, four five months if it's yeah. like something kind of Jeez. Avatar style, right. which yeah. which they actually had almost a year for post mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah. for sound. Uh, so yeah, it's just scalable. Well, if it's like super bare bones, not like a bunch of. Uh, uh, stuff where we have to create a lot of sound design but yeah. if it's just a lot of people talking would that be a lot easier that's actually a myth is actually makes it more difficult for sound really yes okay there's a lot because people are gonna that's all they're gonna be hearing so for like for instance let's take an example like right. Transformers got it when you're doing sound for Transformers the sounds sound fucking cool yes. obviously Yeah. but it's because it's like okay these are like awesome transforming mechanical things these guys are just going crazy with all their plugins and crazy crazy tools like it's right. mm-hmm. in the end of the day it's pretty easy and then then they just throw it in there right. yeah and That's then like, yeah you, no, no, no 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 well, yeah, I was just adding to that it's it's pretty easy to do uh, I mean not e- I wouldn't say it's easy to do you know, still have got a lot of work but still these sounds are things you haven't heard before so you can these just kind of un- make anything unrealistic sounds so you know it's just yeah. make believe you right. know if yeah. you see the picture if it sounds kind of similar to that and right. then you know oh yeah, yeah you believe it yeah but then it's really hard to nail realistic stuff like just you can tell because you can tell yeah. the yeah. difference you know what that thing sounds like you know how that's supposed to sound like as a normal audio person i mean as a normal person you don't right. need to be an audio guy for that yeah. so it's really hard especially for realistic stuff to do to give sound right because you gotta nail that if not you know you'll be taken out of the picture right yeah away. I'm glad I asked that question. That is a good question. <laughs> oh yeah, that's yeah. a good question. I think most people would be like, "Yeah, it's just talking and some family stuff." It's like, "Oh, you're like, oh, it's hard, fuck." <laughs> yeah, no, yeah, yeah. it's like, like the most shit. brutal part. It's like making that sound. Yeah, great. we've both been there. We yeah. have to to do like real, actual, real time foley of someone actually mm-hmm. eating food or like whatever. Yeah, it's, like, yeah. it's it's so hard to nail that same sink. I, I love. I've entered foley once. Yeah, I love doing foley. It's so yeah. fun. Foley it's fun. is very it's so underrated. Fun. It's the most experimental stage when it comes to post sound. Well, as, as like sound guys, like per, on your personal level, like go really deep. Like, what's your favorite thing to do? Ooh, uh, you go first. 
Uh, that's a tough question. I think I enjoy many parts of of doing of doing sound. Right. But if um, at the end of the day, I like seeing um, it all come together. So at the final stages of doing a mm-hmm. a project, you're going to be mixing your film, right. which is for people that don't know, is just a process of oh, how would I say it simply? It's like a one. It's one thing. Is it just making all the things you've designed along with the music um, fit and mm-hmm. match the vision of the director yeah. uh, and, and basically tell the story so you're adjusting levels and you're you're taking things out or you're adding new things on per, as per request by the director right. uh, that whole process is, is really cool It's because for me it's like sculpting um, the film into what it can be cool. because you have all these ideas you've made and you could have like a thousand ideas or you could like for instance like there's an explosion you put like thousands of layers of sounds and it sounds amazing mm-hmm. but then you bring it into the mix stage where you're at the final stage of the film and there's like this intense music stinger in that moment too right mm-hmm. and together it sounds like shit uh-huh. and so you have to take layers up and you have to make it mold it so it works with the, the works with the picture and it works for your ears right uh, and that I really enjoy that because for one it's it is very challenging Mm-hmm. But when you can do it right, it's like the most rewarding feeling. Right. Okay. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Did you say the same thing? Uh, well, I have a lot actually. I mean, one of the things that I really enjoy is well, I'm a huge fan of recording sounds live, not just recording dialogue, but also if I was to do sound effects and posts, I oh, do rather... you mean like making a library? Of... It, yeah, making a library, and you know, if for a film, usually we don't usually get to do that quite often, but uh, you know. Mostly what happens is for posts, the sound designers cut the sounds from a library and they put it to edit. Yeah. But like if you were actually had the time to go record and source those sounds fresh right. from a do- outdoor, say you want to go record an ambience of a forest, you can cut that in from a library. Mm-hmm. But there's this way more fun to actually go, you know, get a fresh sound. You record right. a fresh sound and mm-hmm. then put that in. So I think every time I, I don't always get the opportunity to do that, but whenever I do get that, I think I really enjoy doing that. Right. You know, they're sourcing new sounds because it, you know, one thing, it makes it into the film and it's, it's your own sound that you made, you recorded. And second of all, it's, it's going to be added into your own personal library. Yeah. So you can always go back to these. Exactly. Things. You're making a collection of yourself, your personal sound library collection. That's so, so cool. Yeah. That's like, I think one of the cool things that I personally enjoy doing. Awesome. Cool. You guys, this is a great episode. We had a lot of insight. Yeah. 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 Is there anything else you guys want to add? Well, we could Um, go on talking about sound. I mean, (laughs) we love the sound. Well, I mean, there's so many aspects that we have. We haven't really talked much about Foley. Yeah. Um, We, you know, we did dive into post production, but like, um, it's fun to look into. Like anyone listening, just it's fun to go see. Like, think about your favorite film and. I would recommend like looking up how they did the sound for that film because chances are you're going to learn some really cool things about yeah. how they approached it. It's not just a matter of, I heard this, I found this sound on soundeffects.com, took it and put it in the movie. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's that. Much it's, more than that. Like Sid said, there's like t- oftentimes they'll go to some like remote location to get some awesome sound effects and mm-hmm. then those are just the, the base sounds that they use to make a cool sound effect. Mm-hmm. And yeah. There's a whole process. I think it's fun to learn. There's a lot of yeah. movies that they do that too. So it's good, like, you know, if you, if you go online, just search for some really good sounding movies. And what, are, what are some examples? Do you guys have any to recommend for people to look for some, like, these are some really good sounding movies? Oh, man. Okay. There's a, like, I know there's a lot. So, okay, so like, a, the, one recently, maybe, that you're like, wow, that was just amazing or something. Something recent, you said? Yeah. Like, what do you what think is a good so. example for people to listen to? Uh, something recent. Oh, I'm trying to think. Oh, what I saw it? Mother recently, and that that's a really good film that, because that there's no music in that film. Mm. So you're forced to just listen to the sounds, and it's good. Yeah, and, and the does. guy who did sound for that was the same sound designer of Stranger Things. And oh, he, cool. He did this. He's a, he did a really good job. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So but a lot of people don't realize it too. They, a lot of people don't realize there's no music in that film. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the fact is they actually took out the music in the last, like, I don't remember how, how, right how close it was to right. It was like right before the delivery. The release. Okay. Wow. Yeah. That was the thing. Cause yeah. we did, you know, like actually see an interview in that and you know, where these, there was a podcast with the sound designers mm-hmm. and then they were saying where they stripped down the music entirely towards the end. Like Derek said, wow. yeah. they were just left with the percussions 
and they even took that out and then the director was like wow no, that, it sounds perfect now <laughs> yeah they did that like i think they did it, like uh, just before the delivery like you said yeah very close to the very end, close to the which is intense yeah. but it's cool stuff it's cool it's stuff yeah, that's that's one of the things too like you know even if you're like a you know micro budget filmmaker don't be afraid to strip away things even if it's at the end just before you know you're getting out that final picture oh, yeah. something doesn't sound right but if you think that uh, no I'll just leave it there it just be like you know you'll still have that in your head forever yeah. less is more sometimes huh? exactly so you know might as well just take it out in the end I mean who cares at the end it's, it's, it's your film you're yeah. doing it right yeah Got it. No one's gonna ask questions. I've had that before, for sure. So I know that's like yeah. yeah. You leave something and you're like, ah, oh, I, I just wish yeah. that you know, fix that right. Yeah. Cool. What about you? Do you have anything you recommend as a film? Um, I would recommend anything by David Lynch. Mm-hmm. As a personal note, I think he's an incredible director, and a lot of his works, like Mulholland Drive and Lost Highway, if you look at those films, there are some really cool uh, sound design elements and. And the way he works the music with the sound as well is incredible. And it's just, a, like to me, a testament of having the vision of the director uh, be manifested through all mediums of like sound and picture. Mm. Like, he knew what he wanted. And, like, I honestly, a lot of times I consider myself just a tool. <laughs> like, I know it sounds stupid, but, like, I, I want to be able to help whoever is making this film make it a masterpiece. But they have to have the vision. Yeah. So, like, those That's kind of cool. Are, I like that you treat it like you're a technician. Yeah, because yeah. I think at that point you, the art comes out in like a weird way, because you really, really are picky about it. Yeah, totally, totally. I think that ma- that's what makes a standout sound designer standout. You know, camera operator. Like, if they can understand that, I'm not not trying to just be like, these are my fucking cool sounds. Take them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's mine. It's like you know, understanding what the emotion is and what the art is. That, that's the fun part. How about you, Matt? Do you have any movies you'd recommend for sound? I know, like, just step out to you. I, I wouldn't even recommend all the Walter Merch movies. Mm. You know, The Conversation, then God- <laughs> Oh, The Conversation, Gene Hackman, it comes back. Godfather. <laughs> I mentioned that, like, yeah. a few, like, early in the podcast. I'm like, Conversation, Gene Hackman. <laughs> and then you, that, now that you, you told it, everyone dude, to hire Gene Hackman <laughs> as the lead actor. <laughs> it's actually one of those few films which I, you know, I would recommend every sound person to watch because mm. films back then, like Conversation, The Godfather, and then Apocalypse Now, these were like textbooks of sound design. That's yeah, these films literally termed like coined the word sound design. Because of Walter Murch. Exactly. Yeah, Walter Murch. He was one of the greatest sound designers to ever live. Like right. literally, he, you know, all well, those tricks. Still alive. I mean, he is. I mean, I mean, sorry, yeah. She talks like that he's way. dead, though. So. I mean, I usually talk he's so like great. everyone's dead. Like he's dead. I know, that's <laughs> just how it is. But yeah, like he, like all those things and techniques and tips and methods that we mm-hmm. use for sound design these days, like he did it back then. They come from them, yeah, you for know, sure. Like all these people are really good to look forward to and then, yeah, learn from them. All the Godfathers. Yeah. Yeah, well, and then Star Wars. Yeah, Star Wars. Like I was going to say, if you, like, if, if someone listening here doesn't think sound is important, just think about the lightsaber. Yeah. How lame would that thing be without its sound? Without that, that <laughs> iconic lightsaber yeah. sound was so designed just, by Ben Bird. And the way he came up to do that is awesome. I'm not, like, not going to tell you. Yeah, you, you should look it up. That, that could be a little assignment for it's, people it's, listening to this podcast. <laughs> I feel like you should tell them now because now we're a source for that information. Ooh. Oh. It's like, oh. oh. <laughs> Did you hear that story about the lightsaber? Oh, where'd you hear it? On film craft, <laughs> <laughs> they knew they had the insider scoop. <laughs> Which fellow? The McPherson fellow. <laughs> oh, never mind then. Don't <laughs> don't listen to that. <laughs> yeah, it's just hogwash. Yeah, I I personally I, I really not in terms of like sound design, but uh, actually you know what? No, that was a good movie for sound design. I thought Gravity had some really awesome sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like, it it did win the sound for the Oscars too. Yeah, for best sound editing. Because I saw Gravity in theaters, and I remember just being, damn, like that was amazing. They just did some really creative stuff. Yeah, they were they were doing what you call a lot of panning. Yeah, the the, mm-hmm. the dialogue's usually in the center of the screen, but oftentimes they had it over here, over, over there, and it, yeah. it, that's they don't often do that because you always want to be able to hear the dialogue clearly. But that was just one of the elements that worked really well in the film. Yeah, yeah. All right, so uh, before we end the episode, this podcast is sponsored by Pippa. Yeah, Pippa.io, podcast hosting service. Yeah. 
they sponsored us, which is fucking pretty awesome. I Thanks, think. Pippa. Thanks, Pippa. Uh, yeah, it's cheap. I still haven't learned the price, but it's like nine or twelve bucks a month. <laughs> Unlimited hosting, um, free transcripts, yeah, free sniper tool. Well, they cut out a little chunk of your podcast and make it into a little videomatic thing. It's like a GIF almost. Yeah, cool. with sound. Yeah, so it's nice. Pippa.io. Thanks, Pippa. What up? And this has been Filmcraft. All right, Filmcraft. Thanks, guys. Thank you, you for having us. This is like the episode with the worst audio. People are like, I can't hear it. <laughs> <laughs> they talk a lot about sound, and this sounds shitty. <laughs> right, thanks for listening, guys.